0: This is lead minister, Nathan Pelahowski of RSEC. I just want to welcome you to the RSEC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter, not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. Today, I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Well, good morning. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Can we give the, the moms a round of applause real quick? All right. And So Ashley will have a gift for you on the way out. There's also, as you come in the double doors today, there is a little area that says Happy Mother's Day, and you can get some photos taken there. We'll be there to take photos for you. So make sure to do that, even if you don't want to. Do it for the moms in your life. And Mother's Day has always been special to me. I was raised primarily by my mom, and this is the first Mother's Day where I get to celebrate my wife, Whitney, being a Mother's Day, so we're excited about that, but I'm even more excited about what we're going to say today. Hey, Archie, can you turn this down just a little bit here for me? Hey, I'm excited, though, so here's what I want to start with asking is a question. How many of you are animal people, animal lovers? Just raise your hand. Okay, some of you, some of you not. How many of you are, are dog lovers, primarily dog lovers, some of you? How many of you are cat lovers, like, hey, I just love cats? All right, more, than, more of you than I thought so i 'm an animal well I, I should not say i 'm an animal lover. I like dogs and cats i don 't really like any other animals and uh, but i 've always wanted a dog, and my wife has always said no i can 't have a dog. So when we moved here, we compromised and we got a kitten. So we got a little cat he was a little or he was little at the time we got him He was a little, little orange cat. we named him Nemo now he's a bit, really big fat cat named Nemo, and so we were the crazy cat people. I necessarily wasn't. Whitney's not this service. So Whitney was a crazy cat lady, and, and she spoiled this cat. And, and this cat, Nemo, he, he has the Gucci life, especially before um, Natalie came into the world. Like, he was our kid and got all the attention. Now, we're like, hey, dude, we forget you even exist most of the time. But, you know, we got this cat, Nemo, and, and so Whitney would give him wet food, and Whitney would take care of him. He could, you know, he, he just had the Gucci life. He had this simple, nice life. Like, hey, all he has to do is eat and get fat. I mean, who doesn't like that? Right? Eat and get fat and we'll, we'll take care of the rest. It was a good life. But he would do something that drove me nuts over and over and over again. Every once in a while, Nemo would dart out the door. Okay, He's not an outside cat. all. He is fat, chubby. He couldn't survive for five minutes if he wanted to outside. All right? And so he, he would always dart outside. <clears throat> and I would get so mad I'm like, dude, don't you know that I'm giving you like this Gucci life? You got the wet food. Man, you want to survive it all. S- Turner Road is a rough street in Rising Sun, man. You better stay in the house. Well, one day, Nemo did this, and we left, and we didn't know he, he went outside, and, and, and so we came home. We can't find the cat. We're looking all over the place. Whitney started to get emotional. I start running around the block like multiple times. I got little kids on bicycles helping me try to find this cat. We can't find him anywhere, right? I'm like, man, where are you? Eventually, about two hours later, he comes from out our backyard underneath of our shed, and he comes out, and his eyeballs are Huge right? I'm like, dude, I told you, Turner Road is a rough road in rising sun. You need to be careful, right? And I'm thinking, dude, you have the, the good life. You have the sweet life. Like, literally, all you have to do is stay home, stay put, eat food, and get fat, dude. That's all you have to do. All you had to do is stay home and, and stay put. Stay home. Everybody say that with me. Stay home. Uh, I'll say stay home, then you say stay put, right? Stay home all right. Awesome. That's what we're going to look at today. Stay home and stay put. It's going to be so simple. And what, what is home? Well, I'll, I'll give you what home is. Home is Jesus, is the gospel. And so when we're looking at this letter, and we're in this series called The Supreme Life, looking at the letter Colossians, and we're really doing expository preaching on it, meaning primarily we're going verse by verse. We're not looking for topics out of it. We're preaching what it says. And so Paul's writing this church, and there's a church of believers, and there's Christians in it, but they're starting to drift away. They're starting to drift from leaving home. And so Paul's going to say, hey, stay home and stay put, and why this is so relevant to us today... Years and years, years later, there's some of us in this area, and we're looking in bars, and we're looking in clubs, and we're looking in sex, and we're looking in pleasure, and we're looking in relationships, and we're trying to find a home. We're trying to find a home, something that is going to satisfy us, something that will fill a void in our lives. And so this church, years ago, two thousand plus, kind of 2,000 years ago, was doing the same thing. They were looking for a home. And they had it kind of right. They were looking in Jesus, but they were also looking for other areas outside of Jesus that would satisfy them. So Paul writes the letter, and one of the main themes is stay home and stay put. So we're going to be looking at this today as Paul is saying, listen, all you got to do is stay home and stay put. And we're going to be in Colossians 2, starting in verse 6 through verses 6 through 14 today. So if you got your Bibles, follow along. If not, all the notes are in the app. And here's what it says. And now, just as you accepted Christ as your Lord. So it's like, listen, you did the hard part. You've already accepted Christ as your Lord. Here's what I want you to do. You must continue to follow him. So it's not you just accept, there's something you do. After you accept, you continue to follow him. And then he tells us to do a couple things. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in truth. You were taught and you will overflow... With thankfulness. Let's look at what he's saying. Paul is telling us, hey, listen, you got to have your faith in Jesus. And you already done that. you already done the hard part. Now I need you to do two principles. And, and it's two things. And here's, here they are. I need you to be rooted. And I need you to build. Be rooted and build. So he's making it very clear. Yes, you, you, you're saved by grace. Yes, you're saved by having your faith in Jesus. But there are certain aspects. They're not works. They're more obedience. Obedience after you accept it. He's like, so be rooted and build. So let's talk about be rooted. When you think of this idea of being rooted, I want you to think of this picture. In in this picture, what you see is a hurricane came through and there's total devastation. You know, you get someone's boats right here and all this stuff, whatever it was, it's destroyed. But what are these things standing right here? These are trees. Why are they standing? Well, these trees have these deep, complex root systems. And so the storms come, and the winds blow, but the trees still stand tall. So Paul is saying, listen, be rooted in your faith. And what he's kind of saying is, know Christ so well that you're not shaken by the storms of this world. Know Christ so well. Be so strong in your faith that you're not shaken by the storms. What are the storms? Fake news, right? Fake news. False philosophies. Bad things that happen bad things that happen to you, storms of life, you know what they are. He's like, be rooted, know Christ so well that you're not shaken by the storms of this world. He's like, hey, it's not this Instagram 2022 type of faith. You are like Instagram faith, we call it Hobby Lobby faith here, where you go to church and you got the Bible verses on your Instagram and your TikTok and you got the shirts and it's all good and it's all surface level. It's filters and it's like, hey, I'm a Christian. It's, it's surface level. It's surface level faith. And what Paul's saying, it's not about surface level faith, but but about what's going on underneath the surface. He's like, be so rooted. Let the gospel be so part of your life. Let it get down to, to the core of who you are. Let it take root in your life. So when things happen, when when the world goes crazy and things around you go crazy, let the gospel, let your love for Christ be so rooted in your soul, so rooted in your heart that nothing can take that away from you. Be rooted. Be rooted and stay home. That's what he's saying right there. So be rooted. And then he uses this word, this phrase, build on him. It's it's a construction word. It's a construction phrase. It speaks of building your life on top of something or building on something. In today's world, we call that a foundation. He's like, build your life on him. Build on him build, not on anything else, but build on Him. And it starts with being rooted, and you're so rooted that you're building your life on Him. So it forces you and me to ask a question. Here's the question, what are you building on? And that's a simple question, so let me rephrase it. What must be present in your life for you to feel satisfied or fulfilled? That's a better way of asking that question. Because when you answer it this way, not what are you building on, because if I just ask you what are you building on, everybody's going to say, well, I'm in church, I'm building on the gospel, I'm building on Christ. But okay, let's, let's, let's kind of go deeper. What must be present in your life for you to f- be fulfilled? And when you find out the answer to that, that's what you're truly building on. So some people build their lives on money. I want more money. I need more money. If I get this amount of money, I'll be happy. If I don't have this much money, I'll be happy. But I don't know if you all know this recently, but if you build your life on money, look at the stock market the last several weeks. Probably not a great foundation. Some parents, let's get a little awkward on Mother's Day. Some of us are teaching our kids to build their lives on other things in Christ, sports, or success, or our accomplishments. Maybe you're building your life on your kids. Maybe you're building your life on your career. There, wh- whatever you're building your life on, all we, we can agree on this, that everybody is building on something. So the question becomes, Is are you building on something that's going to last? That's not going to be, what, blown back and forth in the storms? Or are you building your life on something that will come and go, that can be blown back in the storms? You see, what's, what's funny, not funny, but what's ironic is Jesus said the very same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. And he's talking about building your life on something. And here's what he says. Therefore, any, therefore, everyone who hears my words and put them into practice. So how do you start building on Jesus? You put his words into practice. You live out your faith. Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Jesus said, you're building your life on something. You're either building it on me or not on me. And there's only one foundation that will not be rocked, that will not be blown away when the storms come. So we got to ask ourselves, what are we building our lives on? So Paul starts this section to these, these, these Christians, and he starts it to us. He said, listen, be rooted. Let the gospel take such grip on your life and build on Jesus so much that when the storms come, that Jesus said are coming. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. When they come. Your, your faith is not rocked. Right. And then he goes into verse 8 and he tells them exactly why they need to be rooted and they need to build on him. Listen to what he says. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. We don't know exactly what was going on and what was being taught, but the context of this is the, 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 this church in Colossae, are some false teachings going around. There's some heresy, there's some philosophies. There's some teachings in the world, teaching in the cultures that were going around. And but they sound good, but they're going around. And one of those teachings we do know for sure is this, that they were being taught that you need to have Jesus plus something else. Jesus plus philosophy, Jesus plus some gods, Jesus plus some pleasure, And Paul's saying, listen, don't be captured by any of this nonsense. Don't be captured by these people who sound smart, that might be smarter than you. Don't let anyone capture you. And I love that phrase, don't let anyone capture you. Because this phrase right here, capture you, it's a military phrase. If you go to the Greek, it's talking about being captured in war. So Paul is saying, hey, listen, there's a war going on in this culture. There's a war going on in this world. And there's going to be people who sound very smart. There's going to be people that you trust, people that you love, people who you think are smarter than you, and they're going to have some philosophies, and they're going to sound really smart, and they're going to use really big words that you've never even heard of before. And he's going to say, listen, it's nonsense. Don't let people, don't be captured by this nonsense. And what he's really saying is like, listen, don't settle for anything but the real thing. And nobody wants the fake, right? Like, you want the real thing. And he's like, don't settle for anything but the real thing. Don't settle for anyone other than Jesus. And how relevant is that today, right now? Like we could read this entire section and say, hey, this is for 2022 in America. Because there's a trend going on. There's worldviews, there's philosophies, there's people who sound really smart and use really big words that I don't even know, talking on the TV all the time about things I have no idea about. There's scientists pushing agendas. There's counselors pushing agendas. There's people pushing uh, agendas. And, and so they're like, hey, it's, it's these big philosophies. And the cultural trend is what? And, and there's, there's this cultural trend and there's pressure. It, it was to push you or it is to push you in a direction. And that direction is away from Jesus. So Paul says, be careful. Because you're going to hear these philosophies. You're going to hear these mindsets. You're going to hear these things that are taught. And you're going to be tempted and they're going to tempt you to pull you away from the truth. And you're going to be tempted. And that temptation is going to start in your thoughts. It's going to start in your thoughts. Because so let's think about this. I want you to think about every dumb decision you ever made. All right, you got it? Every dumb decision. All right, some of you, I'll give you extra time for some of you, okay? But every dumb decision you ever made first was a thought, Right? A couple years ago when I was at this little fair festival and I decided to jump on this like wipeout, like inflatable with my cousin who was like 15, 20 years younger than me and tear my meniscus, that was a dumb decision. I first thought about it, right? Every bad decision I ever made was first a thought. Before you ever had an addiction, you thought about taking a substance. Before you ever made a bad choice in your marriage, you thought about it before you ever decided to cheat on that test in school, you thought about it. Every single bad thought, every single bad action you had first was a thought. So what Paul is saying is like, listen, there's a deceiver in this world. The Bible is very clear that there's an enemy who roars, you know, walks around like a lion looking for someone to devour. That it, Satan is his name. And Satan, or Lucifer, or Satan, but, but he's the great deceiver. And what he's going to do is he's going to use culture. He's going to use things in this world. And he's going to have philosophies. And he's going to throw out mindsets. People who say, well, yeah, we believe in Jesus. But is Jesus the only way? They're going uh, to attack things like when life starts. They're going start, to attack things like my body, my choice. They're going to start attacking sexuality and gender. And what a boy or a male, what a male or a female is. They're going to start tacking things about, is Jesus the only way? Or they're going to start tacking things and say, well, that was 2,000, 6,000 plus years ago. That doesn't apply today. And what they're going to do is they're going to, seem, they're going to seem real. They're going to be real smart. They're going to make some good points. People you love may even believe them. People who are smarter than you may even believe them. People that you trusted may start falling for it. But Paul says, Listen, don't fall for the nonsense because it's popular. Don't fall for the nonsense because it's common. Don't fall for the nonsense because you see it all over TV. Don't fall for the nonsense because people that you love or trusted now believe that. And I'm, he's not saying hate philosophy. He's not saying hate knowledge. He's not saying hate truth. He's not saying any of that. Christians should seek truth, should seek knowledge, should grow in all those areas. All Paul is saying is being saying be very careful to what you hear, what teachings are being taught, and what you believe. You've got to be rooted. You've got to build on him. So what, what I think is like he's telling us when, when you hear things, put them through a funnel. So here's kind of the funnel we should put things through. And it's long. I know it's a long slide, but here's, what, here's kind of what we should do. First, what does it say about Jesus? Okay? How does it point to Jesus? Who does it reveal Jesus to be? Does this increase the love of Jesus, the obedience to Jesus, the, the appreciation of Jesus, the gratitude for Jesus? If it does anything to diminish Jesus, that's no good for you. That's what Paul's saying. You're like, Listen, like, you hear all these philosophies that if it doesn't run through this funnel, don't worry about it. it's nonsense. So there was some nonsense being taught in this culture that they were living in. There's nonsense being taught in our culture. And all Paul is doing he says, Listen, I'm calling you back home. What's well, home? Return to the message of the gospel. Return to Jesus. So he's saying, Be rooted, build on Jesus, funnel what's going on, the teachings of this world you're hearing, right? And, and what's going on in culture, funnel it through what we just looked at. But ultimately. After you do all that, return home. Return to the message of the gospel, to Jesus. And then we get to verse 9. And we get to verses 9 through 14. And I'm going to tell you right now, verses 9 through 14 are so deep in theological information and knowledge. We could have spent months on this. and I'm going to spend moments on this. So go home, read the verses 9 through 14 yourself. Different translations. Different, you can go get commentaries on it. But we're going to look at this. And he's kind of changing his tone here. He was real practical. And what I love about Paul, he's like, listen, here's why you do this. Here's why you be rooted. Here's why you build. And here's why you don't fall for nonsense. So verse, starting not, verse 9 kind of starts all of this. So here's what it says. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are also, so you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So what we're going to do is we're going to see in the next verses, Paul's going to say, Here, here's why. And, and here's why we do this. And it's really broken up into two phrases. I'll start with the first phrase. The first phrase, why we're rooted, why we build, and why we, we don't fall for this nonsense other than Jesus is one. Jesus is everything that you need. In verse 9, he starts talking about the deity of Christ, the, the incarnation of Jesus. And this is a fundamental belief of Christianity. The fundamental belief is this, that Jesus was fully human but and fully God. He wasn't like the Colossians who had, or the other religions in the Colossae who had, you know, gods for the rain and gods for the wind and gods for the crop. Jesus isn't just a small God. Jesus is one with God. It says this in verse in nine, in Christ lives in, in all the fullness of God in a human body. It's like, it's God in the flesh. It's God in the flesh. In one commentary, said it this way. When you follow Jesus, you're connected to Jesus. You're connected to the one who's God himself He he has a human body, yet he is God. So why Paul needed to say this is, again, he's speaking to the culture, and it's important for us too. He's like, Jesus isn't just a really good person. Jesus wasn't just a guy who had good morals. He was God in the flesh who walked on the earth, in human incarnated, fully God and fully human. So they needed to understand that, and we need to understand that. And then he says something really important. He goes, in Jesus... You have everything that you need. You are complete. in Jesus, you have everything that you need. You are complete, it says in verse 10. See, this church was, was a lot it is so wild how how relevant this is today. They had this mentality that many of us live with. it's called the Jesus and mentality. Their and was different than ours. Their and was Jesus and other small gods of the time, Jesus and philosophy, Jesus and the teachings of of the culture, Jesus and pleasure, Jesus and success. They they had Jesus and mindset. And, And so many of us live with that same exact mindset. Again, our ands are different. So I want to kind of illustrate this in our lives. So I only have three buckets up here. I could have put about 150 buckets up here, but we got, we got three buckets. We got Jesus, I did it yellow because the sun, like real creative, you know, Jesus. We got success, so success, I'm kind of lumping it all together, and pleasure, fun, things that make you feel good. And so what most of us do and what they were doing is, is very simple what we do. So this represents our life. So these little rocks represent our life. So, of course, we're like, hey, I'm in church. I know Jesus. Paul already said they believe in Jesus. So we, we, we get some Jesus in our life. Right? Pretty good. And they're like, well, I also want some pleasure. So I'll put some pleasure in my life. And I want some success. And I got a little bit left over. And I really like to have fun. So I want some more pleasure. So what we end up doing is like, I got Jesus, but Jesus isn't enough. I need some Jesus and some pleasure, and I, you know, the good stuff, the fun stuff, some sports, some stuff that makes me feel good, some substances that make me feel good, got some success because this is where the money comes in, and when I have success, I can have some more pleasure. But don't, don't worry, y'all, don't worry, y'all, I got Jesus. I got Jesus too, right? And I'll take this little bucket with me, you know, and we'll pray before dinner and, and you know, when we're on vacation, we'll say thank you, Jesus, for the beach and we'll put it on Instagram. It'll, it'll be okay. But we live our lives separated buckets. But Paul's saying, Listen, you miss it. When you do that, you're not staying home. You're not staying put. He's like, You miss it. He's like, So what what you should be doing? Is you you should realize that the success is found in Jesus. The pleasure is found in Jesus. That there's only one bucket that you need in your life. And it's Jesus. It's staying home. Because in Jesus is where you find salvation. Where you find freedom. Where you find pleasure. Believe it or not, yeah. We find success. Yeah. Is it worldly success? No. It's better. We find freedom from insecurity. We find your identity. Listen to what he says in verse 10. So you are also complete, complete, fullness. You lack nothing. Through your union with Jesus, when you're connected to Jesus, you have everything. And who is Jesus? He's not just a man, he's fully God, he's part of the Trinity whose authority it had over every ruler and authority. What Paul is making sure that they understand is that Jesus plus nothing, you don't need these other buckets, you don't need whatever category you think you need, equals everything. So stay home and stay put. And then he goes deeper. He starts in verse 11. It gets a little weird. I'm going I'm to warn you here. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised. But not by physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. And he continues in verse 12. He says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So this is where things get weird. Like if I was reading this letter, I'm like, Paul, I was with you, and, and it was making a lot of sense, and you're really practical, and then all of a sudden you get to circumcision. And there's only two places in the world where talking about circumcision is somewhat normal. Church, and when you have a baby boy in nursery, like right, right away. That's it, right? It's not like guys, ladies, I don't know if you know this, it's not like guys go around like ball games or the gyms, like, hey guys, uh, what do you think about circumcision? Right? No one talks like that, all right? But it, so Paul starts talking about it, and it's a little weird, but why would he have talked about it? Well, he would have kn- known that there were Jewish, former Jews, so Jewish Christians, and the culture would have Jews around them. And circumcision in the Jewish religion and in the Old Testament was very important. And if you go all the way back to Genesis, you'll see that circumcision starts coming about. And, and God tells men to cut a piece of, of skin away from their body, if you get what I'm saying, right? I'm not going to go into details. But he cut a piece of skin away from your body. And that, that, that cutting on the skin was to be an obedient act to set you apart. It was to set you apart. So what, we'll get to what that means in a second. But he's saying, like, listen, what we're about to look at is that Jesus has done everything that you need. Okay, He, he has done everything you need. So he starts talking about circumcision. The circumcision was to cut a piece of skin away. And, and it was to set you apart. And it would say, hey, if, the, if, this, if you did this, it was an act of obedience. But really what circumcision was used for, it was used to foreshadow something. It was used to point to something. It was used to foreshadow what Jesus would do, not by removing the same piece of skin, but by removing the flesh, by removing our sinful nature. It's like the circumcision that they would have been very familiar with. It's a much different context than it is today, right, when it's fairly normalized, but he's saying, like, listen, Jesus, you did that to cut away a piece of skin in your life that would show that you were obedient to God. It would set you apart. But Jesus is going to do something. He's going to cut the flesh, your flesh, but your sinful nature. So go back to verse 11. Here's what it says. Exactly. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised. But not by physical procedure. And that's where everybody goes, thank goodness we don't have to do that to get in, right? And then he says, Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, The cutting away of your sinful nature here's what he's saying christ who is fully god in the flesh left his throne came to earth born born of a virgin lived preached had followers for three and a half years disciples eventually he's arrested he's killed he's put on the he's beaten and as he's beaten what guess what's torn away a little bit his flesh he's flogged he's whipped He's nailed to a cross. His body is broken. His blood is pouring out. It's cutting away of a physical skin. And, he takes all, and as he takes the nails in his hands, he's taking your penalty of sin. And he dies. And he's buried. He's put in the tomb. And three days later, he, he rose from the dead. So here's what Paul's saying, and it's so important for us. Why we need to be rooted, why we need to build, and why we need not to get called, caught in fake philosophies and fake teaching, and why Jesus is everything we need, and why Jesus has done everything we, He has done everything we need to do, because he cuts away your sinful nature. Jesus did all the work. All you have to do is have faith and be obedient to him. And they've drifted from that. Sometimes you and I, we drift from that. They've drifted from home. And then in verse 11, he says, if you ever see, find yourself drifting, which you will, and I will, and you will, if you find yourself drifting, I want you to go back to a moment. I want you to go back to this moment. And he says, when you were baptized, when you drift, when you forget, when you forget where home is and and you're tempted to fill your life with all this other junk, I want you to remember, back to a pivotal moment in your life, when you were baptized. He's talking about baptism, right? And baptism, when when we practice baptism, we're showing my old life is buried with Christ and my new life is raised with Christ. Those were his words. And we're saying, remember the way you used to be. Remember how you used to be dominated by sin and dominated by your past and dominated by temptation and dominated by by the flesh by everything. He's like, and when you were baptized, you died to all of that. Just like Christ's body literally died, and you, when you were raised to life, you were raised with the new life of Christ. When you came out of the water, you were now new with Christ. He's like, remember that. Remember that Jesus has done everything you need to do. You don't need to go be circumcised men, right? If he's like, you don't have to do that. We're like, hey, thank goodness. Thank you, Jesus, right? He's like, he's done everything you need to do. All you have to do is have faith and be obedient to him. If you haven't been baptized, I'm going to tell you, w- w- the baptism is ready, right? We don't always talk about baptism, but we need to talk about it more. It, it's, it, you need to be baptized. We believe in immersion baptism. Why? Because that's how Jesus was baptized. Every indication in the New Testament when someone baptized, they were immersed, right? It, we're, we're baptized because Jesus was baptized. He commands us to go baptized. And when you read through the book of Acts, it often says, believe, repent, and be baptized. We believe in baptism. We believe in the power of baptism. We say, if, you have, if, you, if Jesus really saved you in your life, if he's really Lord of your life, if you really say, hey, he is the king, he is the only one, and you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. And we will talk about that today. We'll make it happen today. And here's why we think it's so powerful. Through baptism, we've been united with Jesus. When Christ died, you died. When you were buried, you, when, when he was buried, you were buried. When you rose, to new, when he rose to new life, you rose to a new life. That's what baptism symbolizes. Baptism is a visible sign a constant reminder to who we are in Jesus, and it affirms our identity in him. Paul's saying, when you forget whose you are, when you, when you get caught up in philosophies, and when, you, when you're making decisions on gender, identity, abortion, whatever it may be, you don't funnel it through the cultural lens, you funnel it through this lens right here. And then he ends this section right here with, with the gospel, and he goes, in just in case y'all forgot, you were dead because of your sins, because of your sinful nature, was not yet cut away. He's like before Jesus. Remember, your sinful nature wasn't cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for He forgave all your sins, and He canceled the record that charged against it, and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed. Again, this is a spirit, this is a, a military phrase. Disarmed the spiritual rulers. He beat them, right? Dishonored them. They had, no, they had no power over you and authorities. And he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Paul says this is the gospel. Why you need to be rooted, why you need to build, why you not, don't need to give in to false philosophies, why you need to remember that Jesus has done everything you need, he's everything you ever need, is because what he did for you on the cross And when I I think about this, I think of this old song. I don't know the actual name, but it goes like, what can wash away my sin? Right? And a lot of people in life, whether they believe it or not, whether they're Christian or not, are looking for something to wash away their sin. They may not call it sin, but they're looking for a way to wash away their mistakes, wash away their past, wash away those things that they don't want anybody to know about in their lives. And Paul says, I know what can do that. So Paul, what are you saying can wash away my sin? And he says, nothing but Jesus. So come home or stay home and stay put. He's all that you ever need. He's done, that you'll, he'll, he's done all you'll ever need him to do. So be rooted. Build your life on him. Because in Jesus, you have everything you need. And he has done everything you need. So just stay home and stay put. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful that you give us a home. And sometimes we live in this world and we feel like orphans. Sometimes we live in this world and we don't know what to believe. Sometimes we live in this world and we drift, God. But you give us a home, you give us a name. You, you call yourself, you, you, we're to call you Father. You love us, and it's proved by what Jesus has done for each and every one of us, God. And so many of us today have accepted that. But if if there's someone here today, don't let them wait another moment to be baptized, to draw that line in the sand, and and to, to just give their life to Jesus, the one who will give us everything we need and has done everything we could ever need to be done. And all we have to do is put our faith in him and be obedient to him, God. We thank you so much for that. So we're going to continue to stand. We're going to continue to worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app. Or follow us on any social media platform at Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.